from my mistake. Are you tired of hearing the same old advice when it comes to real estate? Do you want to learn from the biggest and baddest mistakes in the industry? Then welcome to Learn From My Mistake, the podcast that brings you real estate professionals from all over, sharing the biggest blunders and how to avoid them. I'm one of your hosts, Jake Remillard, and I'm joined by my partner, Marie Beginski. We're here to give you the inside scoop on what not to do in the real estate game. From brokers to investors, we've got it all. We're not just here to tell you about our guest failures, though. We're here to help you learn from them so you can make the right moves when it counts. So buckle up and get ready to hear some juicy stories and expert advice you won't find anywhere else. This is Learn From My Mistake. New episodes drop every week. Don't miss out. Learn from my Yeah. Learn from my mistake. What's going on? It has been a couple oh weeks, days. How long has it been? Did we have we had one that we actually gone live last week, didn't we? I th- yeah, we had we had an episode last week. We did. We did have an episode last week. It just wasn't live. That's right, because I was yeah. in Puerto Rico. Bragging. I did see that. I did see that. Yeah, was that was it? one of our pre-recorded. Yes, my technology skills are getting better. That means Jake. able to pre-record these things every once in a while, but this one is live. So welcome everyone to learn from my mistake and welcome Kristen. Hi Marie. Hi Jake. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Kristen Ryan, tell everybody just a little bit about yourself and how you got started in real estate. Uh, So I am uh, based out of Chicago. I've lived here for about 30 years, originally from New York area, Maria. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, uh, and I have two daughters, 23 and 20, um, as, uh, as I was raising them because I wanted to be a, kind of a hands-on mom. I always worked kind of part-time, worked in sales because uh, I could, you know, kind of make the schedule work and... Um, I worked in retail and I pretty much knew once my kids were older, retail was not going to sustain me. Um, So I uh, went to a real estate seminar. I knew I wanted to kind of dabble in real estate house hack. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad and my grandfather did. And I went to, I saw a free two hour seminar, fortune builder (laughs) seminar. And I know you guys know the rest is history. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think we were actually like part of the same like class, if you want to call it, not like the actual same event, but same time frame, same year. I think so too. I joined uh, March of 2020 was when I officially, actually, so it was a leap year, February, uh, March of 2020. And I went to my full immersion training and everything shut down Yeah, <laughs> that weekend. And I said, oh my God, what, what did I just do? Yeah. Nice. Okay, so pretty, you know, kind of newer in real estate investing space Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, 2020 to 2023. So you go to this free event, like, what's your big takeaway? What are you like gung ho about? Where, where are you going to start investing? Like, what's your game plan? So originally I had uh, attended the two, it's a two hour seminar, it was free. I attended because I wanted to house hack 
basically we have a lot of like two flats, three flats here in Chicago. Um, and the idea was to uh, buy a two flat, uh, live in one and, you know, rent out the other one. Went to the two hour and, you know, there's a lot of information and I'm like, okay, well, they're, they're offering a three day course. It's 250 bucks. I can totally get on board with that. And I go um, to the three day and I went in there saying, not signing up for anything. I'm just going to go and learn as much as I can. Right. We all say yeah. not gonna yep. another dollar for me. <laughs> exactly. Cause you know, I was Googling it. They're like, Oh, you know, you can learn the same things on YouTube. And, and, uh, I waited until four o'clock on the third day. I'm like, sign me up. It was the systems that got me. Sorry. I have the dog up here because, uh, okay. I like little bark. If I uh, let her down. So anyway, so that's how I started. And I literally just jumped right into the curriculum. I had literally nothing better to do because we couldn't go out anywhere. And I had my first property under contract by May. So um, just jumped right in. So, I mean, that's pretty good turnaround. March events and first property under contract by May, just a couple months. Yep. Two months. And I knew I wanted to flip. So, um, and that's really been what, what I've been doing for, since I started, um, I just love the kind of the creative aspect, the design aspect, you know, the transformation and, you know, it's just a really, especially with our old buildings here, it's just, you know. Well, that makes sense. I was kind of, you know, I, I do a little bit of kind of like research just to get ready. I know we've known each other for a while. This is actually not the first, um, podcast style thing that we've been on together um but i was just kind of like browsing through your social you worked yep. not just in retail and sales but you worked at like some pretty well-established highly known retail stores like um so do you think that transferred over into that creative you know design aspect when it comes to remodeling these houses there are actually a lot of things that translated over. Um, first of all, because I did work, I worked for Neiman Marcus. I worked for Nordstrom for 12 years. Uh, I worked for Neiman's and um, and Saks. So um, I've always, always been really good with uh, like a higher level of customer service and relating to people. So that translated really well as far as, you know, um, finding sellers and, um, you know, helping people. Uh, but yes, the design aspect, it's yeah, it's the, the whole fashion thing really translated over with the design. I still love it to this day. Not doing quite as many flips um, as before, but uh, I had three going at one time. But uh, yeah, I love it. We'll always love it. Yeah, well, talk to us a little bit about like, what was the mindset shift there for you to go from working at these like corporate jobs into working in real estate kind of on your own? So my, so my father and my grandfather have always been like, they've owned businesses. They've been entrepreneurs, self-employed. They've owned several businesses. Um, so I always saw that kind of hustle, uh, doing it small town in Connecticut. So, you know, everybody kind of knew my dad by name and my grandfather by name. Um, but it was just, you know, it's especially the, how retail has gone it's just there's so much micromanaging and it was just getting worse and worse and worse i was like you know what i just 
I can't do it anymore. And everything just kind of came together. That's how I knew this is what I wanted mm -hmm. to do. It was just perfect. Everything, I just, it, it, there was not a doubt in my mind. And I think when you feel that way about something, um, you just know it. It's, it, you know it in your gut that it's the right thing for you. So I knew it. So now let's let's um, let's maybe talk about some of the mistakes because what I what I love about you, Kristen, is that like that action taker side, right? Because I know so many people. I know we all do, and even if you're not in real estate, I know you know people like this that they get into something and then maybe they do a bunch of research, but it really ends there. They just do the research and then they end up wanting to do things for like years. Um, jumping in so quick with just a few months, getting into your first property, what were some of those early mistakes? What did those look like? So, so the first property was literally like throughout the worst part of COVID. So I kind of took the entire the entire process as a learning experience because there were so many unusual things going on at that time. There were supply chain issues, um, it, things like appliances weren't coming in, windows we were you know waiting for it, like eight weeks, Mom, eight nine yeah. weeks on windows. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. So the entire process was a big uh, it was a big learning curve. And I took it as that type of opportunity. Luckily, luckily, the market really. So I had that on my side. I'm not going to lie. I did have luck on my side with, um, you know, the, what the real estate market did. And, and you know, we all know what happened with you know, prices. Uh, yeah. Prices uh, soaring. So, I so did, did you get like a 50K over, over asking offer with like no contingencies on your first flip? So I didn't get a 50K over asking. I, it, even today when I do my ARVs, I'm very conservative. Mm -hmm. So I'll be very conservative on my ARVs on the low end. And then I always go a little bit higher on my um, repair estimates just because we have old houses here, old plumbing, um, mm -hmm. plaster, all that kind of stuff. You never know when a wall will just crumble to pieces. <laughs> It's no, really. Um, so I always try to be a little bit conservative with that. And my ARV was actually on that one. It was um, it was a good probably 40,000 over what I had anticipated it to be. And, you know, the market kind of went crazy, you know, nice. towards the end. Yeah. So um, I ended up um, a 50K profit. So I, I got very lucky on that. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. And then, so tell us, like, where did you go from there? So this first flip, although there were lessons learned and a lot to do with COVID and supply chain, you made money. Like, what's your next move? So um, I uh, closed on the property in uh, the end of June 2020, and we ended up uh, finishing it. We sold it on the 23rd of uh, December. So it was pretty much six months time. Um I got another property under contract the following February. Um, I found that one on Facebook Marketplace. I ended up uh, doing a rehab on that one, uh, sold that in July, and then I picked up another one in April of that year. That's 2021. Um, and that was just a, like a two-bed, one-bath duplex. Uh, I can tell you, I was project managing. There were learning. There was a lot of learning along the way, and I was 
essentially project managing them myself. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot of work. So um, what, finally, when I moved on to my next, I bought my fourth flip in September of 2021. And I decided, you know what, I just can't, there's no way for me to be able to do this, to be everywhere. Um, so I decided to hire a GC uh, for that project. Okay. So then the first few projects, I guess, were kind of subcontracted out. You were Correct. acting as your own GC project manager and then just subbing all the work. Exactly. Exactly. I had a, um, yeah, I had someone who was supposed to kind of project manage it for me. And um, I think it was a little bit beyond what, you know, he thought it was going to be a bigger commitment. So yeah, I ended up doing it myself and I, yeah, it was too much. I couldn't do anything else. So um, yeah, so I hired a GC in September of 2021 and very shortly after found out that um he had a $500,000 judgment against him from a homeowner and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he had uh, uh, basically filed for bankruptcy, uh, uh, closed down the business and had his wife open up another business and she got the general contractor's license. And I found this out. Yeah. <sighs> I found that, found that out. I bought it in September, found that out in November and uh, yeah. <sighs> Okay. Yeah. Oh, but it, it gets better. Not better, but worse. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, there's more. There's more mistakes. Juicier as far as right. dirty details here. Well, I did. I ended up reconnecting with a friend uh, who I had met through a mutual friend. And he um, uh, he had two partners and they had a construction business. So I first met him in 2019 and then we reconnected again in 20 in 2021 and then I ended up hiring them I took on another property in February of 2022 so I hired them for that property and then I ended up firing the other GC and brought them in for uh that property okay. so yep and uh, so for anyone listening to this, mm -hmm. like, what would you have done different with that first GC? Like, would you have researched more, vetted them first? Like, did you just, how did you come to work with them? Like, what would you go back and do different? So I interviewed them. Um, being a fortune builders, the, the, the key is in the systems. That's why I signed up for Fortune Builders. That's why I invested in Fortune Builders because it's in the systems. And if you follow the systems, you pretty much set yourself up for success for the most part. Mm -hmm. So um, we as Fortune Builders, we all know about our six critical documents that we use with contractors. And, um, you know, we have our contracts and we get lien waivers signed and notarized right. and we check GC licenses and insurance and all this. And I did do all that. Um, I did interview them. I found them uh, on Yelp, uh, researched them, but I was researching her and not him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was presented to me as he was working for her. I mean, his name wasn't, you know, 
So, and that, I mean, you know, a lot of people trust Yelp and you're absolutely right. Those six critical documents, it sounds like you, for the most part, did everything that you could have done. How did you discover, what was it that led you to, to find all of this out that somebody else could maybe look out for? It, it, honestly, it was a fluke. They, I don't know, they got into some argument, it was right around Thanksgiving and they got into some argument and ended up like texting me it was just a bunch of drama and nonsense and that's kind of when i uncovered all of that so gotcha. um, yeah so we ended up um um it took a little bit of it took a little bit of time to kind of because there were some work that had been started um we kind of needed to wrap that up i was working with uh one of my lenders one of my private money lenders. Uh, we really wanted all the lien waivers wrapped up and and just to make sure that, you know, there wasn't going to be any mechanical lien put on the property when, you know, yeah. we sold it eventually. So that did take a little bit of time to wrap up. So I'm curious, Kristen, now are you doing this alone? Did you come in with a team? What does your team look like now? So I did come in alone. Uh, uh, at this point, my team is a virtual assistant and that's it. Uh, right. When I had hired my friend and his partners, I was thrilled because I thought this was my team. Mm -hmm. You know, we, I said, you know, I've got the systems, I've got the network, you know, I work with private money lenders, you know, we can really take on as I, you know, as many projects as you can handle, how many can you take on? Because I can go out and find those deals. Um, and he's, you know, he's like, well, we can take on 10 projects. So I'm like, okay, well, let's do it. Yeah. So we had the two in Chicago and then I bought a um, single family, a rental property down in Florida in April of 2022. And I sent two of the guys down there to do that because it was, a fairly simple cosmetic type of situation. Um, so I sent them down there. They took care of it and, and came back. What type of arrangement? Uh, Cause I, we've talked a lot about partnerships and stuff and mm -hmm. I've got a lot of experience as well with, you know, people kind of coming in. Was there some type of equity arrangement that you had in place with them or was it just, you know, straight, you know, bid the jobs, we'll pay cash, just handle everything. So with them, um, because it was, it, it was a friend of mine, I'd known him for a few years, but it was still the first time that we were, you know, working together. So, mm -hmm. um, it, I basically, they were, they GC'd the project, you know, they gave me a bid. Um, we did it just like I would any other GC. There wasn't any equity at that point. Um, there wasn't any equity at all. Um, but this was, <laughs> this was really going to be, you know, I, I was giving them all the business that, yeah. you know, I had, so this was a real opportunity. Um, and once again, all I got the six critical documents. We had assigned um, signed contracts for all the properties, uh, the uh, indemnification, the IIA, all of it. And I still checked GC license, all of it, insurance, all of it. Um, well, let's just say they um, one property was supposed to be done in April and the other one was supposed to be done in July. And by the end of October, I was getting 
continuing to get excuses, excuses, excuses. One was still down to the studs and uh, one of them was mm -hmm, maybe about halfway completed. Um, and let me be clear, I because I had them working on three different projects, mm -hmm. I did pay them ahead because I didn't want them. I, I knew them personally. I knew they had families. I didn't want them being stretched too thin. So I had paid them ahead on uh, two of the three projects and it bit me. There so, you go. That's a, that's a big lesson learned right there. That is the big lesson. I, you know, there aren't, I have good, really good friends who are GCs and um, they're, they're busy all the time because they are good. But um, my big mistake, I followed all the systems, but my big mistake was paying ahead. And um, I just, you know, that's a message that I want to get out to people. It doesn't matter who they are, how you know them, doesn't matter how close, it's just not worth taking the chance. So what did that, what did that look like on the back end? What was the repercussion of paying them ahead of time? What ended up happening for, you know, the people that may not know exactly what that situation looks like? Uh, so essentially we are actually in the middle of a big legal thing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I had paid them ahead of time. I, my lawyer, you know, sent them a demand letter. They refute, not only not refuse to pay it, you know, to return the payment, um, but, uh, they just kind of thought they could ignore my lawyer and it's just, it's, let me tell you, I don't want that. I don't wish anyone to go through what, what I, I'm still currently going through it, um, because it's not something that, you know, resolves itself very quickly. Unfortunately. Were you able to finish those projects without them? Have you hired new contractors or got the work done since? So one of the properties uh, I did finish, it cost me a substantial amount of money to finish it above what I had paid them, right. uh, which was I had paid them in full at that point. Um, the other one was still down to the studs when I sold it. So, uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. But you were able to get out from under it, right? A lot of times if you're locked into something like that, those holding costs I know uh, are just start eating and eating away at not just the profits, but like your soul almost because there's just so much that goes into these things. Well, and think about it. I had two properties that I was, you know, continuing to absorb these holding costs. They weren't getting finished. So the one property that I bought in September, 2021, I just sold in May of 2023. So, yeah. So um, it's, yeah, learning lesson, right? But that's the entire point of the show, right? So if somebody was listening to this and they heard that and then they were like, okay, wow, so I'm not going to pay anybody up front. That's, that's why we're doing this. That's why we're interviewing amazing people like you. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a tough it's a tough thing. I'm not gonna lie. I've gone through all the emotions. It is a t you know a tough thing to share, but I think it's important to share with people because just there are so many other ways that you can 
get around it. You can like, you know, purchase the supplies and have them waiting at the, uh, you know, at the project yep. and then you can, you know, pay them weekly, but yeah, please don't pay them out ahead of time. They have to prove that they've done the work, check it, inspect it and, uh, and then pay them after. Yeah. I, I love that advice. And I think too many people get, you know, that bad rap or they hear from contractors, no, you know, I need 50% up front and then 25, 25, whatever, right? Like all these crazy percentages. And when it's, you know, homeowners working on things on their, their own home, they don't know any better. Um, yes. And then as professionals, this is what we get taught, right? Is don't pay them up front. Um, de like demo, what you think about it, demo should cost them anything, right? They should have the supplies they need. I can pay for a dumpster if you need it, but I shouldn't have to pay you to demo the property. Like show up with hammers, rip things off walls. Not that they difficult. Should, yeah, they should at the very least be able to pay their crew and pay their guys for the labor. So, right. and which, yeah, I mean, it's really not that much. Any good contractor is going to... They're, if they're making money, then they're going to have money to be able to pay, whether it's a week or, or you know, to advance. And that's why it's important, too, of those six critical documents, you have a draw schedule. It's important to get them to sign it and they agree to it so they know, look, if there's a problem, if, if you can only afford to pay your guys a week up front at a time, that's what the draw schedule is for and we can work it out. So... Uh, there's ways there's ways that you can work with a contractor if he doesn't have a ton of money where you can make sure that you're protecting yourself. That is the most important thing is protecting yourself. And if you're working with lenders, you want to protect their money too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Were you able to pay back the private lenders on those properties? So um, as I still owe people on those properties. Um, and my lenders, I have to say my lenders have been really great. I made sure it's, it's bit, that's actually been the toughest part about this. I will say is, you know, you can't just avoid it. You have to have those conversations, those hard conversations and be honest, you know, this happened. I messed up. I paid them ahead of time, but I have assured them no matter how long it takes me, I am going to make sure that they get paid their investment plus their interest, because that's not, you have to value those relationships. People have to be able to trust you in order to lend to you. So, um, Absolutely. Well, especially in what we do, right? It's not it, most times if it's done correctly, it's secured by the property, but really yeah. these people are investing in you because mm -hmm. you're the one who's managing everything. So uh, I think it's, you know, it's good that you're still holding up to that and, giving them all the interest back and everything. I've heard stories where people just, you know, hey, I couldn't get you your money back. You know, I'll pay you out. Interest isn't included in some of those things. So good good on you for cool. taking well, that route. Yeah, well, you know, I just, they, like I said, they invested in me, they trusted me and uh, it's, it's a huge responsibility. So, yeah. and I take it really seriously, so. Yeah, and I think, you know, that just goes to show like, who you are as a person, right? Because that's huge for you to make that commitment and to stand by that with them. Because listen, I, I get one of my, I think the biggest um, objections from a private lender, for me at least, has been like, well, I'll just put my money in the stock market. And I'm like, 
but that stock could tank, right? Like there's no guarantee. You have no idea if the CEO is shady or if they're whatever they're showing the public is really what they're making. Like if you invest with me, like as an individual, even if I don't have a personal guarantee on the loan, mm -hmm. like are investing in someone who is trustworthy and I am going to at least at the very worst get you your money back. Like right. you don't have that guarantee or not that it's guaranteed anyway, but you don't have that in the stock market or other investment strategies, right? You um, you don't. And it's it is protective. Here's the thing is that in the end it is it's an investment and every investment has inherent risk to it. So I think most investors know that. But when it goes bad or something happens, your investors want to know that, you know, you're just not going to leave them high and dry. Sorry, you know, yeah. I'm out too. That's just not right. It's not right. So I think it, especially if this is this is what you do, this is your business and you're in this for a long time, it's important. I, and I just... I, I just couldn't do that to someone. You know, it, my lenders lend from their IRAs. It's their retirement accounts. They work hard for their money. It's just not, it's the right thing to do. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, Jake, we're getting to about the 30 minute mark. What's uh, What's your last big question for Kristen? I feel like you always have a good one that you save for the end. Mm, I've been trying to think of one because I knew you were going to ask. Um, <laughs> Kristen, we have not had as many women on this podcast. And, you know, when you go to a lot of these you know, real estate events, mm -hmm. I I don't know what the ratio is, but I typically see more men than women there. So mm -hmm. I would love to know from your perspective, what have been some of the most influential books for you as a real estate professional that have inspired you along the way that might inspire some other women in this space? For what? You know, it's kind of funny because I, it's not that I'm not a feminist, but I am, I'm, I'm the son my dad never had, I, I'd like to say, because <laughs> I actually, like, like, I, I like kind of those like gritty, like, have you, honestly, my favorite book, have you mm -hmm. heard of the 48 Laws of Power? No. Okay. So it's, it's very, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting book. It just, I'm all about mindset, especially having gone through, you know, what I've been through your mindset. If you can position it right, you can, it literally, you can accomplish anything. It's unbelievable. And I really, that book, reading that book, especially when I was going through all this, just put me in a mindset where I just, I don't think that book is for um, all women. Let's just, let's just say that. Um, but it definitely worked for me. I mean, Great. my mentor's Clint Clothier. So I, I know he's a, you know, more of a guy's guy, but yeah. he, he inspires me. He inspires me every day. So um, yeah. I love that. Thank you for that recommendation. We're going to put that up there. The 40, 48 Laws of Power, right? Yes. Yep. Great. All right. Well, Kristen, what are you up to now? If people want to loan you money or send you deals or work with you, whatever, what? how can people get in touch with you and what kind of like work or projects are you looking for nowadays? 
So right now, sorry, I want to make sure that I uh, plug my laptop in because I just got a notification that I don't want my battery to die. Um, so right now, actually, I am uh, wholesaling here in Chicago, uh, doing a little bit of wholesaling. I am, I have um, some new partnerships, strategic partnerships uh, that I've uh, entered into and it has been fantastic. Um, and uh, my two partners and I are actually venturing into some uh, larger multifamily uh, buy and hold properties. So we just uh, put an offer in on a 13 unit in Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia. Um, yeah, we are, we're looking for, for bigger multifamilies. I, I have, um, I have four, five doors right now. Um, I'm done with a single family. So, um, multifamilies where it's at, we can scale a little bit bigger. Um, but we're always looking for lenders to, um, you know, provide us that gap funding and, yep. uh, you can reach me, my social media, uh, yep. the Kristen Ryan. And uh, Facebook, you can find me, KGG Property Ventures and Kristen Ryan. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being our guest. I think, you know, your words will definitely affect some people, especially when it comes to working with contractors. That is a big, big pain point for a lot of people. So, yeah. So just I, I hope it helps. Oh, I'm sorry. I hope it helps. Yeah. Too. That's the point. I, I honestly, I really, I really, I, I don't want anyone to have to go through, through this. So, um, and honestly, if, if anyone has any questions or needs some advice, you know, please come to me and I'm happy to share, you know, my experience with them so that they don't repeat the mistake I made. Awesome. Love that. Thanks, Kristen. It was really great having you on. It's great seeing you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Learn From My Mistake. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on your preferred platform. This will help us reach more listeners who can benefit from the valuable insights that we share. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and visit our website to stay up to date with our latest episodes and exclusive content. If you're looking for ongoing education and support from experienced real estate investors, we invite you to join Investor Harvest. Our community is the perfect place to connect with other investors get expert coaching, and receive access to exclusive resources that'll take your investing to the next level. Visit our website now at www.investorharvest.com to learn more and sign up. Thanks for listening.